You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name's Sean Tice, and you're watching Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. Excited to have you back with us. I have a, a great friend with me today, Dustin Alley. I've been to his church, actually two of his churches, I've uh, been able to, to share our ministry at, and just, just excited to have you with us, Dustin. Yeah, Sean, man. Glad to be here, bro. And yeah, two churches, one down in Arizona and one in Bristol, Connecticut. And so we we really try to get you all over the map there. Exactly. When I first came to to uh, Arizona, you, I didn't know you. I mean, we, I met you as a youth pastor. You were helping us get our RV park. We were on our Hope for Fathers American National Tour, traveling around, and, and you helped us helped us out. And we kind of struck struck up a friendship there and got to know you guys. Went to Chick-fil-A with your family, and you guys yeah. had an awesome, awesome family. And uh, and then we got to go to Connecticut with you, and you got to just experience a um, an amazing thing in Connecticut. You had a, you had a hurricane come through, right? Or a tropical yeah. storm. And by that the way, that happen. tree that fell down while we were watching it at my house, still yeah. there. We're not moving it. In fact, I found out it's not even in my property. It's my <laughs> neighbor's property, which I'm very thankful for. So now I don't even have to worry about it. That is awesome. That's awesome. So we've had some experiences together, right? We hung out at the yeah. Mexican oh, restaurant. Man. Yeah. And when we showed our appreciation to missionaries, to you guys, and had you out for dinner, you guys remember that? We got to eat yeah. uh, Mexican food in the back alley of the Mexican restaurant. Like <laughs> We didn't even take you inside. That was hey. honestly high class. And so... <laughs> Hey, well, you guys had you guys have a, a bricks and minifigs there close to your church, and my kids love that. So that we do that definitely yeah. made up for it. So, and and you gave us a place to stay. We were in an, yeah. R, in an RV, and we didn't want to stay in, in a that hurricane. for the uh, tropical storm hurricane thing. And so that yeah. was which one was that? Which hurricane was it? Do you remember the name? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the name. I just, I just remember what that was. That was twenty twenty, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. it was twenty twenty. Uh, and then, yeah, because you were supposed to have come up earlier in the year. For for a missions yeah. conference. And we had to go digital on that one. And then you ended up coming up later in the year. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we, it was in the back alley there. And then uh, the kids at Bricks and Minis Figs, it almost shut down twice since you've left. And it's, it's been either bought or just reopened or they are trying to revitalize yeah. it. I think I'm going to put them in touch with a church revitalizer because they need some help there, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And, and I know you're, you're a Broncos fan, right? Absolutely. You're having yeah, a rough yeah. year. And I don't, You're having... I, it's, you know, I saw your Steelers <laughs> helmet there. And so I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, no, it's, you know, Sorry, um, what, what is our, what is it? It's a rebuilding year. Yes. Um, yeah. We've been rebuilding for a while and we went yeah. through, I mean, Super Bowl 50 was our claim to fame. And then the head coach had a heart attack. And since then it's been a coaching and quarterback carousel. Oh man. Yeah. And then this year it's like, okay, we got Russell Wilson last year. All right. It didn't pan out. Wait, we have Sean Payton now. Oh yes, this is going to be great. Wait, yeah. you hired our former head coach to lead the defense? Okay, all right, Sean, I, I trust you. I got okay, all right. And then here we are, one and four. So, Broncos <laughs> fan. Yeah, hey, I'm a Steelers guy, and we're barely squeaking by. And I, right, yeah, our defense is winning our games. But anyway, we didn't we didn't come defense on here to talk wins about championships football. though. So yeah, no, that you got true. something else to talk that about. Is true. We'll do this another day. <laughs> that is true. But it's so great to have you. And I, I wanted to have you on to really. I know when we met, you shared your story with me, and that's what we talk about on here: fodlessness and. One of the things I love to capture is stories of transformation, um, stories of of hope, because so many fatherless individuals, they end up becoming a statistic and they go mm. down a path of 
honestly, a lot of times is destruction. And so we try to share stories of inspiration saying, hey, this this is what you could become if you give your life to God, if you follow God. Yeah. And so as I was praying about, thinking about who should we have as other guests? And you just popped in my head. I was, I was like, I need to capture Dustin's story. And so tell us first about where you're at. Like, what are you doing now with with your life? I know you're, you're successful. Tell us some of those mm. things and then we'll dive into your story. Well, you're very kind with your words. Um, the things I'm doing now, I am pastoring at Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. I'm married to my uh, high school sweetheart. We went to different high schools. That's how we remain sweethearts. And uh, we have been married for... 17 years this year. Uh, we've got three kids, a uh, 12, 12 year old boy, a eight year old boy who turns nine in January and a seven year old girl who just had her, her birthday. I'm pastoring. I am pursuing my doctorate in leadership from Liberty University. I am in, I have one more class left before I'm officially considered a doctoral candidate. Right now it's just doctoral student. I am hosting the Men After God podcast and have started the After God movement, uh, where we help men uh, achieve success with a thriving faith and family. Uh, we have a weekly show with interviews right now. We've got a Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash men after God. And you can jump in there and, um, it's it, we're doing weekly coaching content now, uh, just really connecting with guys. Our beta group coaching uh, program launches uh, as of this recording. It launches tonight, and so we're excited about that. Um, working on a book that goes talks about becoming a man after God and uh, the five pillar framework that God kind of gave me after I just crashed and burned is the best way to say it, and uh, and and kind of recovered from that. I want to pass that along to other guys, and so uh, that's that's what I'm doing right now. Not much. <laughs> You're a little bit busy, right? <laughs> a little, yeah. I coach. I also get to coach my son's little league baseball team. That's uh, awesome. That that's been a great time. And then uh, other kids are involved in sports, so I get to be dad and just go sit and watch and uh, and and really enjoy that time. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed your your energy ever since we've met. Then um, when you were in Yuma and. You can tell that you have that that military background, right? You have that mm. that energy and that organization mixed together. And uh, tell us about that. Tell us about your military career. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we're kind of working in, in reverse order here. So I'll just go right after high school. I uh, joined the Marine Corps. I graduated in May of 06. By July, July 23rd, I was in boot camp. And then that October, I graduated from there and got married to my wife a couple months later in December. Um, but my time in the Marine Corps, I was an air traffic controller for nine years. I went did two tours in Afghanistan. I uh, was blessed to never see combat or anything. Um, made some good friends and some really poor choices early on. But it was my first trip to Afghanistan that God used to help kind of bring me back to him. Uh, you mentioned the organization. The funny thing, Sean, when you first met me in Yuma, I, I was uh, I was uh, an assistant pastor at Chad Metheny, which I, I love dearly. and I'm so thankful for him. And I was the I was the administration guy. I was the one that organized the events and put everything together. I'd contact people. I'd do all that. I have found since stepping into the lead pastorate role, I can't do both. <laughs> and and so that organization side of things, like it's still there, but for the execution of it, I really lean on other people. Uh, but the Marine Corps, again, taught us that in delegation and various different things. And I've learned it a lot more over the years, but it was the Marine Corps that I leaned into and God used to help uh, really change my life trajectory. Uh, people I met in there, I would not be pursuing after a doctorate if it wasn't for Corporal Joshua Summers, who was counseling me within my first couple months at my duty station. And he asked me, so what are you going to do after the Marine Corps? 
I said, well, I'm going to be an air traffic controller. He said, yeah, so is that guy. What's going to make you different? Like, I'll have experience. He goes, so does he. So what do you do? I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't I don't know. He said, you're going to get a degree. I'm like, no, 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 Josh. All right, Corporal Summers. Uh, I, uh, I joined the Marine Corps so I wouldn't have to go to college. I never wanted to go to college. I was going to go to the Marine Corps, retire out of there at 37, which I'm about a year away from. And um, that was it. That was my life. And he said, nope, you're going to go to college. And so I ended up taking my first class, which is like introduction to computer science. They taught me how to use Microsoft Office Suite. I did well. And now here we are two degrees later pursuing after a doctorate. Um, but God used the Marine Corps and uh, my time there to really change the trajectory. Um, again, in Afghanistan, I met a man who was a Christian. We were doing 12-hour night shifts, and I was going to be taking over for him. Uh, so this was as I was transitioning in, he was transitioning out. And he's witnessing to me, doing what a Christian should do. And uh, I, I can't remember his name. I wish I could find him. And then just like, hey, like, I want you to know where what your conversations did to my life. But he got me thinking about it. And I pushed back. Like at the time, Sean, I mean, as agnostic as I could have been, I'm pushing back. I want to see all of the biblical writings. I mean, I had watched Da Vinci Code, so I was pretty much an expert. And so knew that I could ask these things and he, he didn't have an answer for me. And uh, But ultimately, again, it was me needing to find my faith in Jesus. And then while I was there, 12-hour night shifts in the dark, uh, alone in a tower. I had a lot of time to think. And I had access to the internet there and I uh, got to spend time, you know, researching different stuff, watching a lot of movies. Um, this is not an admission of guilt, but if there is a desire to find out how all the piracy happened in the mid teens, or I'm sorry, the 2000s, 2010s, it was probably because of the military, but that's another story. Uh, and so, uh, Kazaa and Pirate Bay were our friends, but the, uh, while I was there, I started, I watched National Treasure and, uh, got turned on to Freemasonry. And I was like, oh, I want to check into this. Well, Freemasons require you to believe in mm. God. And it was that I said, oh. well, I don't really know what I believe about God. I pushed against it growing up or I pushed against it at 13 years old and kind of never explored it for myself. So it was at that point I ordered my first study Bible. I read the book of Matthew for the first time. And that was 2012. Uh, and within three years, I'm in full-time ministry. Within a year, God had called me into ministry. I mean, it was just a whirlwind. Um, but that's kind of my Marine Corps time there and how God used that to just change the direction of my life. Hmm. That, wow. That's great. I, I, I love, I love how, how God worked on you and how you were able to, to overcome and to, uh, do that. Let's, now let's go, let's go back. Let's go back yeah. to your childhood. You know, we're kind yeah. of building up to that. Tell us your story. Tell us how you, um, how you grew up, you know, what happened with your dad, with your mom and all those things. Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up what I call backwoods Baptist. And uh, I, I love the people in the church that I grew up in. They love Jesus. And um, I say that they love them as, as best they know how. I mean, no disrespect when I say that. Um, but uh, but growing up, you know, it was very Baptist, very emotionally driven and about a mile wide and an inch deep when it came to, to biblical knowledge and things. At least that was my perception of it. Uh, I know there were people there that loved the Lord, read their Bible, and they knew theology in ways that, that I didn't. Um, however, so, so growing up there, religiously speaking, uh, Christianity was kind of a Sunday thing. We, we did go on Wednesday nights for kids programs and stuff like that. But uh, what was happening at home did not reflect what was being taught, expected or, you know, shared at church. And so that, that had a huge impact. But my family, my mother and father, um, they got divorced between first and second grade. 
And that, that had a major impact on me. Um, and the, my, I don't remember how long it happened, but I know in second grade, I had, um, I had huge issues going to school. Like when I would go into school, I would, my mom would have to stop and wave at me and I'd have to see her through this, this set of windows as I'd be walking to class or like I would break down crying. And uh, I did that, you know, a number of times in second grade and the teachers knew things going on and stuff. But, um, and I was in public school, kids weren't always the nicest when the second grade boy comes in crying, you know, but uh, so that had a major impact on me. Uh, they divorced, you know, I, there's a number of things I've heard over the years, but ultimately my, my dad, who I now have a great relationship with, we text often and talk quite a bit. Um, but he's, you know, he's admitted these uh, sins, he's confessed them, he's asked for forgiveness, and I've forgiven him for them. And that was a very freeing experience for me, and we can get oh, there wow. later. But um, but during this time frame, uh, he was an alcoholic, a drug addict, mm-hmm. and uh, pursuing after things of the world and the flesh. And so, um, you know, that, that, that kept him away from me for a while. And so that was second grade, second through fifth grade. My mom and I lived alone. She was a single mother. And, uh, you know, I was blessed and cursed, if you will. I'm an only child. And then the youngest of two grandkids, Sean, do you know how spoiled I was? <laughs> like <laughs> it wasn't good. And I love my grandmother that spoiled me and my mom, but I was spoiled. And that, that's again, a discussion for another day. But, um, about middle school, fifth, sixth grade, my mom meets my stepdad. My stepdad's name is Rob and, uh, he's a big teddy bear. And uh, I've written, I wrote about him in my book. I wrote about my dad as well. And I've, I've asked him about sharing this information. He said, as long as it's true, you can share whatever you want. I said, okay. And so whenever my mom had met him, he had just got out of prison for seven years uh, because he'd stabbed a guy in a bar fight. And, uh, you know, so you hear that and you're like, oh, wow. Like what type of person is this? Eh, he was a guy yeah. that got drunk and is the wrong place, wrong time. But you get to know him and he's he's loving, he's caring. Uh, multiple times we've picked up guys off the street. I mean, uh, give, uh, literally given people shirts off their off his back, brought people in our home and cared for them. I mean, a heart of gold, and um, but a, a little rough around the edges uh, is what I tell people. He's a big, soft teddy bear that's just a little rough. But, um, so, but during that time frame before he was saved, that brought in a whole new thing into my home and my life. I've got this guy who, you know, I knew, but I didn't know that well. And while he was dating my mom, we would play video games together. And then after they got married, he was telling me to get off my video games. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What happened here? You know? And so of course, then it brought a lot more cursing in our home and there were some fights and different things like that. And then um, my dad ended up getting remarried around the same time. And, and that was a, a bad relationship there too. And so, uh, he was still, uh, drinking and on drugs at the time, but I was around him a little more. And this is about the time I'm entering fifth to seventh grade. Right. And then seventh grade, I'm about 13 years old and I'm getting taught evolution. And I went to my mom, I went to my church and, uh, I love my mom, but she's always said like, you, you've all, you've been smarter than me for years. I started asking these questions about evolution. And they, I said, I was told in Sunday school and in church that man and dinosaurs walked there together, but you, but they say millions of billions of years. What I was told was, well, the Bible says that we believe it and that's it. I'm sorry. He's got a PhD and you're a country bumpkin. I'm out, you know? And so I really ran yeah. from my faith yeah. at the time and followed after the world. 13 to, you know, even into my young Marine Corps years, 23, 24 years old up to that 2012 timeframe. I did what young men do, uh, drugs, alcohol, women, uh, high school was full of that. Fortunately, when I met my wife, a lot of that stopped. Um, but we were, we were together since junior year of high school. So my, my, uh, sowing wild oats, if you will, was even before that. And that's, that's something, you know, just to bring out to anyone 
who experiences fatherlessness or absentee fathers in the home or even um, anything of that nature is it's very common. I'm sure you've seen it. Many have like the kids go wild and I'm, I'm one of them that did. Yeah. And by God's grace, you know, I did never, I never ended up doing anything that caused me, you know, permanent uh, damage. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've definitely got the scars of the memories and things like that, but uh, often have to thank God for his grace and forgiveness uh, and uh, his willing to his willingness to choose to forget what I did. Because even when I remember it, I'll hold guilt over my head that God doesn't, and, uh, you know, I, I found freedom in a lot of that, but it still comes back from time to time. So, so that was, um, that was, that was kind of my upbringing there. You know, dad was, uh, was on drugs and alcohol for a long period of time. Uh, my stepdad, not a bad guy, just, uh, you know, a lot of anger and some stuff would come out and arguments and stuff. So it wasn't a great home life. Uh, it wasn't bad. I wasn't abused. I was very blessed. I was never abused or anything of that nature. Uh, but I went wild because uh, I had no one there to really, no one was really guiding me. I think they yeah. would have been if I pursued after it, um, but I was really pushing against it. Uh, and then in, in such a way that I, I don't know that anyone could have reined me in at the time. You know, you look back and say, well, if I had known this or that, eh, no, probably not. I was doing whatever I wanted when I wanted. So so that's kind of my my upbringing and stuff there. Wow. Yeah. It's a powerful story. So did you ever, was there ever a time that you you lived with your dad or is it all you just live with your mom the whole time? Did you ever move once uh, you got married or anything? Did you ever yeah, go back he and had, forth? Or? Yeah, she had full custody. Um, and I, but I would go over there from time to time, stay on weekends. I, I don't remember staying through school or anything of that nature. Um, because again, it was like second to fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. I don't remember seeing my dad much. Um, I do have a couple memories and he was intoxicated during those times. And then uh, middle school, I did see him more. And I've got a story I write about in my book, but I haven't got full permission from him on it yet. And so um, I'll, I'll wait to share that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was middle school is kind of when we got back together and then uh, got in trouble one time in high school. Uh, cops had to come to a party I was at and they said, you got to call your parents. I did not call my mom. <laughs> I called my dad and he got me out of that one. But you know, that's a whole other thing. So no, I never, never lived <laughs> with him. And so absolutely. hundred percent. His only stipulation yeah. was I'll tell him you can stay, but uh, you, you got to come see me. I'm like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so, so speaking to um, the, the fatherless generation out there, you know, if, if you're listening, yeah. talking to fatherless guys, maybe young adults, one of the things that I, I appreciate what you yeah. said was how you've overcome your past and the past mistakes you've made and speak more on that. How did you do that? You know, because sometimes people have a hard time. A lot of times people have a hard time overcoming their past and they think they keep being reminded of the mistakes they made and it just continues to, to mess with their head. What what's some things that you would recommend doing to overcome that? So I think going to the Marine Corps was my way of proving I wasn't my past and I wasn't my upbringing. Um, you know, I I always I got enough of, of a rebel in me uh, that I, I would look at some people and say I don't ever want to be that, and that was a driving force for me for a long time. And so going to the Marine Corps, I was going to the best of the best, the few, the proud, the Marines. Uh, you know, they they really don't humble you there. <laughs> I mean, it's a humbling experience. But as soon as you're humbled, they build you right back up with the pride of being a Marine. And so. Um, you know, I did that, that was something that was kind of proving myself over and over. And I found myself in this vicious cycle of just trying to, I always had to be the best, always had to be the best. And, and I still have some of that, just my own drive and ambition, but it's, I think it's more tailored now uh, with uh, less disappointment or things of that nature. And obviously more uh, gospel driven, more driven towards things of the Lord than, you know, my own personal ambition. But, um, so the Marine Corps was part of my escape from that and kind of proved to myself who I was. And, um, 
you know, never wanting to, never wanted to be that. Now that didn't stop me from, you know, participating in, you know, illegal activities when I was younger. The Marine Corps was my blessing in that I couldn't do something because if I had of, I'd went to, uh, I went to military jail and I'm not made for jail anyway, uh, much less a military jail. And so, um, but then, excuse me, the, the forgiveness of my father, I think really helped. And that happened. I think it happened later high school years, maybe right before I went to the Marine Corps. It happened early in the Marine Corps. But when I was able to just say, dad, like, Hey, cause he was apologizing for something and said, dad, listen, I, I forgive you. Like, let's just go forward. And, and I've kind of always had that mentality of just let's move forward from this. Let, let's, let's take it. Let's build from it. Let's grow and, and do something else. And so, um, I want to try to answer your question. I'm trying to remember the second half of it. Um, oh, help talking to the father's genera- yeah. generation. That's what I'd say. Number one, don't, don't be a victim of your circumstances, be a victor mm, in Christ through everything yeah. you do. Um, I, I wouldn't have said it that way 15 years ago. Um, but I'm saying it to you now and that the circumstances that you have in life, whether there's a bad father in your home, whether there's no father in your home, um, whether the, you know, your mother is gone. I mean, whatever your situation is, you can either be a victim or a victor. And if we choose to be a victim, we're going to sit in our past forever and allow it to impact us. But if we make the decision that my, my life will go on and my life will honor those it needs to honor. Maybe if someone passed unexpectedly in the loss of a parent or my, you know, forgive me, this is a rebel in me. And uh, I don't know if a pastor should be given this counsel. Uh, my, my life will be better than because I am not where I came from. And, uh, and honestly, if we direct that I am not where I came from because of Christ, then I, I think that can be healthy as long as it's done well. Because uh, that that's really now my passion and drive comes from the desire of reaching into people's lives that have either been where I'm at or where I was and helping them go to you know where I am and where I want to be. Because you mentioned success earlier. And we use it in Men After God. We help men achieve success with a thriving faith and family. Man, success is one of those things that from the outside, everybody goes, wow, that guy's successful. But the person who is successful usually sits back and goes... I'm nowhere near it. And and that's really where I am. I, I'm definitely in pursuit of Christ and failing daily, but uh, that's part of the journey. And so the, the biggest thing I would say to a fatherless generation and to anyone who hears this, if you know someone that's fatherless, do not, do not point that out to them all the time. Oh, it's so sad that your dad's gone. It's sad that your dad's not a part of your life. If your dad was this, if your dad was that, quit blaming the father. Uh, because if the father isn't actively participating into the home, yes, he's made a mistake. Yes, it's going to have an impact. But unless you empower the individual that's been infected by someone else's decisions, you're going to allow them to continue to sit underneath victimhood because of someone else's decisions. So we've got to raise people up and elevate them and show them what they're capable of. Um, the Marine Corps did that. Uh, Corporal Summers did that when he got me to take a college class. I thought I was an idiot. I graduated high school, sixth in my class from the bottom. Now I've graduated with a bachelor's of science from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, cum laude, and I've graduated with a 3.8 and a master's of religious education and biblical studies. And I've got about a 3.8, 3.9 in my doctoral studies right now. Mm. But I never would have done it if someone hadn't elevated me up to it. So I don't say all that to brag. I say all that glory to God, number one. And number two, it's because someone saw something in me yeah. and they helped draw it out. And so if you're trying to impact a fatherless generation, find their gifts, strengths, and abilities God has given them and draw that out, but don't continually point back to what put them in their situation. Point them forward to who Jesus is going to take them out of their situation. That's so good. And as we continue this, we we have a few minutes left and I want to kind of finish with um, this question. 
as we go to churches, we we hear this question from different guys that are becoming dads. They grew up without a dad, and they're like, "How do I be a dad? Do I didn't have one?" And so you're you're doing that. You're you're with your show. You have and you're teaching men. Speak to the man that is about to be a dad, about to be a husband, and give him some advice. You know, what would you say to them about? Hey, this is how to how to take what you didn't have and and make it something. Oh man, you know what? I tell you what, Sean. When you find the guy that can answer that question well, point him in my direction. Uh, uh, because I'm, I'm going to tell you that 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 is a struggle, and um, I find myself. I've been told this, and then I finally saw it one day. But I almost I parent like a marine, and that's not always a good thing, um, because that was my upbringing. That was when I transferred into adulthood, right? Um, and you know, I, again, I didn't have. I say bad. Someone asked me one time, Sean, and I know we're running low on time. They asked me, "Do you have any traumatic experiences in your life?" I said, "Well." They might be traumatic to you, but for me, it was just my life. So when I say like, I didn't have bad parents, nobody abused me, nobody did anything like that, but they weren't necessarily always involved. And so what I'd say to the uh, parent that um, that didn't have a parent or didn't have a dad and is getting ready to be a father or is going through that, number one, you're never going to think you're doing it right. Um, I've never met a dad who looks at me and says, man, I just got this thing down. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't. I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, you know, there's some guys I see just doing it so well and I'll talk to them and, and even they had parents and they're, they're, they're experiencing the same thing. So number one, get over the guilt of, of doing it right and uh, do your best. Um, something God showed me in the last year or so, and you can do this with your kids and with anyone. You're, as fathers, we like to provide. We like to make sure everything uh, works well. Bills are paid. Vacations are taken. And we want to do a lot of stuff with, or I'm sorry, we want to do a lot of stuff for our kids, our spouse, and everything like that. We want to do a lot of stuff for Jesus. Jesus never called us to do things. He called us to abide. He called us to be with him. Doing things for Jesus and doing things with Jesus, I'm sorry, doing things for Jesus and doing things with Jesus are two different things. Doing things for your kids and doing things with your kids are two different things. Do more with your kids than you do for your kids, and the relationship will be greater in the end than if you just pursue what you can do for them. The same with following Christ. And I'm learning this lesson right now, so I can't go much further in detail than that. (laughs) I love that. That's so good. Such great advice. As we wrap up, just tell us where we can find you, where they can find your show, and how they can reach out to you, social media, wherever you're at. Sure. Appreciate it, Sean. Yeah. So Men After God podcast is on all your major podcasting platforms. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash men after God podcast. Our groups I mentioned earlier, facebook.com slash group slash men after God. And then um, that, that's the easiest way to get in touch with us there. Our church, Liberty Baptist, you're always welcome to follow us there, share it and tell people about it, especially from New England. And then uh, be on the lookout. We are excited because as I mentioned earlier, the after God movement starts with men after God. And then there's two other branches that I was praying over for the next three to five years, but I think God's going to allow us to open a sister uh, branch and women after God. Very excited about that within the next 12 months. And so we're praying over that. That is awesome. We'll have those links in the show notes. So great to have you, Dustin. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, Sean. Thank you, man. Y'all have a great day. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation 
everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And, and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. If your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today.